Our scripture reading for this morning is taken from 1 Peter chapter 4 and verses 7 to 11. 1 Peter chapter 4, verses 7 to 11. The end of all things is near. Therefore, be clear-minded and self-controlled so that you can pray. Above all, love each other deeply because love covers a multitude of sins. Offer hospitality to one another without grumbling. Each one should use whatever gift he has received to serve others, faithfully administering God's grace in its various forms. If anyone speaks, he should do it as one speaking the very words of God. If anyone serves, he should do it with the strength God provides, so that in all things God may be praised through Jesus Christ. To him be the glory and the power forever and ever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. There is one student question that professors cringe to hear. After the end of an extensive lecture, a student may raise his or her hand and ask, will that be on the final exam? (laughs) Well, we understand that uh, this is uh, often the the concern of students, how they can do well in their classes and do well in the exam. But for the professor, they feel like, oh, all of their efforts have uh, really not gone the way that they wanted to, when that is the result and not the love for learning. Often, something that is going to happen in the future, such as a final exam, such as uh, something that's coming up, will motivate people to do certain things. It could be in a negative way uh, or in a positive way as well. So uh, someone anticipating the birth of a second child will uh, have a certain preparation that's necessary before that takes place or any other event that you have upcoming. We see that in uh, 1 Peter, Peter is talking about a time in which there was suffering and persecution for those who followed the Lord Jesus Christ just like himself. They were living in a climate which was politically and spiritually against them, much like our times today. Our president, Dr. Nelson, and Peter Dickens have written the book, Leading in Disorienting Times. And I think that term, disorienting, has to do with being uh, unstable, in flux, and much like the moral climate uh, that is existing here and in the United States, with many changing views here and in various churches. And so here in this passage, Peter will encourage us that in view of these end times, how are we to live? He says in verse seven, the end of all things is near. So he speaks of this as a time in which we will anticipate the Lord's coming, the end of the age and even we know now that it's closer now than it was before, but because of that, it motivates us to live a certain way. Uh, Scott McKnight, a New Testament commentator, I like this term, he calls it eschatological ethics. Eschatology, the study of the last times, and then how are we to live in the light of these times? In fact, 
in this section, he's really talking about we need to be doing these things because we have a future judgment on the horizon. And he speaks at the end of chapter four that judgment, it's time for judgment to begin in the house of the Lord. So this is very important that as we are to be faithful to the Lord, here are some areas in which we are to live. And so uh, in verse um, seven, he says, first of all, that we are not to be fighting back when persecution, when difficult circumstances come against us. We're not to strike back or argue, but we are to be drawn to pray. In these difficult times, we are to be directing our attention up to the Lord, but praying for other people, particularly in the family of God. I like the type of terms he uses. He says, be clear-minded, to be focused. Have you found that difficult when you have set aside times to pray? You've set aside the quiet time, the quiet place, and all of a sudden that ding, that text message comes in or something distracts you or something distracts your mind so that you are drawn away and what was I doing again? Oh yes, I was praying. And so it's very difficult to have that focus uh, to draw our attention to prayer. And so these are a bit of the prerequisites to pray is to be clear-minded, to not be distracted, to be focused. One of my students in a preaching class talked about that uh, the UC student leadership, they spent one week in which they committed that they weren't gonna be involved in social media. And so one of my students was talking about her experience and found that she had basically social media withdrawals. It was like grabbing for the phone, wanting to do this, wanting to do that. But overall, by the end of the week, she found that she got a lot more done she had a lot more time for God, and she was actually had what you call FaceTime, face-to-face with people as opposed to face-to-face with your computer or your smartphone. And so here we are talking about to be clear-minded, to be focused on God. Also, he saw, uh, speaks about being self-controlled, and I like the term self-discipline, and I think, again, for many of us, prayer is a discipline. It's not something that seems to accomplish things, but it is an opportunity to go to God often on behalf of others. It's often to listen uh, to the Lord. And so have these opportunities to pray as uh, we are encouraged. I received a email yesterday about someone who said, pray for me, I need emotional strength, I need to carry out a responsibility. And at the end, She said, you don't need to reply to this message, just pray. And I thought that was a very wise way of requesting prayer. I'm sure Peter was thinking about his time in Gethsemane, in which instead of watching and praying, he was sleeping. Overcome with sleep is a term that is used in Matthew 9, and then uh, this idea of sleeping also in the end of the Gospels. And so we are encouraged to watch and pray, tying together this alertness so that we do not fall into temptation. The spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. Any amens to that? (laughs) And so we are called to pray, especially to pray uh, for one another. And these are opportunities that we have. 
Uh, during the school year, we have staff and faculty prayer times, in which uh, those are very encouraging. And I'm sure that as your departments and other opportunities to have time to huddle in prayer for special needs for one another. And so include that in your uh, regular part of your life. Richard Foster talks about flash prayers in which you may see someone who is particularly looks distressed, going through a lot you know of, and you just pray for them. And I think that's another way of that. As you see are sensitive to other people, you can pray for them or ask other people how you can pray for them and have that opportunity as well. And I believe that one of the greatest gifts that you can give another is the gift of prayer. And so have that opportunity to pray for one another. Peter goes on to say not only to pray, but love. Above all, he says, love one another deeply because love covers over a multitude of sins. To love intensely, to love without ceasing. I like how the New English Bible puts it, love at full strength. We know what it's like when you're looking around and trying to find the optimum reception. <laughs> you need full strength, or you need the full strength of a battery sometime to, to carry out what you need to do. And I believe that's sometime we are in those situations in which love has to arise and move to full strength. Have you found as well that it's, it's often in those Christian family settings, our settings like this, that's very easy to uh, to rub each other the wrong way, to irritate each other, often because we may have different personalities, different ways of doing things. People expect to be done like yesterday, and we're plodding along and trying to get it done. Other times, uh, people are looking for a different type of response, and things are interpreted different ways. And so we need that love. We need, here he's talking about love covering a multitude of sins, or love covering the forgiveness that's needed over the incidences that happen in the family of God. And so be quick to forgive, quick to extend love. Love each other deeply. Extend that and go to that at full strength. One example he gives to love is showing hospitality, loving strangers, um, often in that uh, world, traveling Christians needed places to stay. Peter himself stayed at the home of Simon the Tanner, and that was a big question mark because tanners have to do with you know, dead animals, and as an Orthodox Jew, what was he doing there? But Peter received hospitality. Right now we have, uh, and in those days, house churches in which people open their homes as places for, for worship, for uh, sharing the Lord's Supper, for having times together. Uh, a, a person came to me recently and says, oh, I remember the time that you opened your home up for a Thanksgiving dinner as he was an international student. And it was an opportunity when others were away with family, he was welcomed into a family. Seek opportunities that we can demonstrate hospitality for those uh, around us, for those that may just drop by. I'm sure you, like myself, have had somebody drop by the school and say they want a tour, right? <laughs> and they, uh, they, they call you, they text you, and they expect you to be there, show them around. And, uh, but it's a great opportunity. Uh, it says 
to show hospitality without grumbling, <laughs> not to feel like it's inconvenient, your inconvenience, but you have an opportunity to welcome others to uh, our place here, to your homes, to other places in which you can extend a welcome. So seek ways in which you can be hospitable, whether it's sharing a meal, uh, giving a gift, um, sharing words of encouragement, uh, be hospitable. And then he talks about serving with the gifts that God has given you. And I love this passage because he breaks down these essentially spiritual gifts into two major categories. He talks about speaking gifts and then serving gifts. Speaking gifts like evangelism, <clears throat> pastor teaching, prophecy, uh, and gifts like um, doing, administration, serving, giving. <clears throat> Those are other uh, gifts that are spoken of, particularly by the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians 12, Romans 12, and Ephesians 4, as well as here. But I, I like these ideas that some of us are more gifted in the gift of gab or the gift of speaking. Others of us, you know, we are so frightened to speak in front of others. And um, I had somebody, we were trying to ask him to share at an event, and he says, no, I have anxiety when I come up to speak. So he has different ways of, of sharing and serving, often behind the scenes. And God may stretch us outside of that. Um, often we find that in my preaching class, that God can stretch us, but often where we serve best is where we are gifted, particularly as our default and God-giftedness in speaking or uh, in serving. And he says that we should speak as speaking the very words of God. That sometime the words that we say in a public way or even a personal way can really be that word that can just lift up someone, that can just bring them healing, bring them back to God. And God can use your words to speak to others, whether it's a potential student, whether it's somebody who gets discouraged. God uses you. And be open to the way God can use you. And then realize that these are gifts that we administer God's grace, God's goodness, God's acceptance, our opportunities that we can use the gifts God has given to us. So use these gifts that God has given to you. Some of us have gone through the various uh, spiritual gift survey and assessments. And uh, a number of you have done that, gone through some of these that are like spiritual giftedness. And, and those are some indications. Um, you may or may not agree with them, but they give you some indications in which you could serve. I know our former pastor used to say, uh, come help out the church this Saturday morning. We're cleaning up the church. Demonstrate your spiritual gift. <laughs> like he was saying, you know, these are opportunities to serve. And this might be a way in which you can discover and exercise your spiritual gift. Now, we know that uh, often it's when we uh, see how God uses us or maybe an affirmation by somebody else that affirms that these are the ways God has gifted to you. So sometimes... Uh, these uh, assessments, they give us some indication, but we need to uh, just work through that to see how uh, we are gifted. Uh, last year, last summer, I worked with the library staff, and we, uh, they had already gone through this, 
uh, StrengthsFinder 2.0, and then we spent some time with them to talk about how it relates in their serving together. <clears throat> and I noticed that one of the leadership classes in the seminary is also uh, going to be using this and a number of others. And so uh, what this does, it, it has an assessment that you do online, and it identifies your five top gifts, your five top strengths that you have. And so it's very affirming that it shows these strengths that you have and how you could utilize them. Also, how you work with others who may demonstrate that gift, which would be different than yours. Say, so one of my gifts is called individualization, which means I like to work personally with people. And so the way that I work with you or talk with you would be different than the you know, way I would talk with a, a larger group or, uh, or another individual. And so I find that this helps me to try to focus on the giftedness and uh, helps to be more effective in terms of the way God can use uh, myself and others. And so I encourage you to explore the ways that God has gifted you. Don't be discouraged and you compare yourself with somebody else. Oh, they have this gift or they can do that and I can't do that. Well, God has gifted you and the charismata, the spiritual aspect of gifts is here, grace gifts, but you need to develop it. You need to use it and thank God for the gifts that you have and then develop those, uh, those gifts. So these are opportunities that we can serve. And so this is a, a good checklist that we, as in the latter days, we can encourage each other to pray, to love, to show hospitality, to serve with your gifts. Someone had used this as a, a checklist and also their duties that they felt that they would try to do every day to pray for someone, and also to do something <clears throat> for someone else. And so in the light of the end times, and I believe these relate to love, let us live with this love expressed to other people in these various areas. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your encouragement from your word that in these last times, we can focus on serving one another, serving you, and you can be glorified. We thank you that you have gifted each one of us and given us opportunities to serve you in the context of Tyndale, our churches, our families, and other places outside of, uh, of this uh, setting. And I pray, Lord, that you would help us to truly uh, utilize our gifts and Draw from your love, and it is, that love is demonstrated to others. And as you, as Peter has written, as a benediction, and the God of all grace, who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, after you have suffered a little while, will himself restore you and make you strong, firm and steadfast. To him be the power forever and ever. Amen. May you go in love and peace.